630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Bottom of the third, still no score. Game one of the World Series. We will keep you updated there. I was reading today, too, that uh, baseball commissioner Rob Manfred likes, really likes, a couple of the changes that they made for this shortened season. He wants to expand the playoffs. Now, maybe not go with 16 teams like they did this year, but possibly expand to 14. And he likes starting extra innings with a runner on second base, which uh, I know a lot of traditionalists really didn't like, but they didn't want games to potentially drag on in the pandemic situation. So every uh, every extra inning started with a runner on second base for the team batting. There were, I was just trying to double checking here, I think a couple of 13 inning games, but nothing went beyond that since they added the extra runner. So they, he wants to keep that uh, when they get back to full seasons, which hopefully is uh, in the spring. Dave Tippett on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Get the full interview on the Oilers Now page on 630chet.com. We've played a couple of key quotes along the way here about Kyle Turris, about goaltending. We'll try to slide in a couple more before we get finished. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a guy who had three excellent seasons as a member of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team, now a member of the Stockton Heat in the AHL. It is Luke Philp. Luke, you're on with Reed. How are things? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Where are you spending your time here as uh, you're sort of waiting for, for for pro hockey to get going again? Yeah, I've been I've been in Calgary now since at the end of July. Um, early when the season first ended in March, I I drove home from Stockton and spent some time at, at home in Canmore. But been in Calgary for the last few months, so just got an apartment downtown here. I've uh, been working out and skating and staying on top of school as well. Take me back to the middle of March when everything changed. I can remember we were broadcasting the Oilers and the Jets, and during the game, the NBA called off a couple of games, and we kind of thought that, okay, I think the NHL is is headed in this direction, and obviously the AHL followed suit. What What was your mindset and that experience like for you during those couple of days? Yeah, I actually I remember watching that uh, that game too. I think it was Winnipeg, Edmonton. It was, and uh, and then the NBA announced it. And uh, for us, we had just played um, the previous night against San Jose, the Barracuda were in Stockton, and then we had the day off. So I think we, I honestly think we went golfing that day, <laughs> and then um, things kind of started to unfold and. And we figured we'd be done. And, um, yeah, the rest is kind of history there. Okay. How have you found it staying in shape and staying sharp through the summer? I've asked every player this, but I've had everything from some guys saying they they maybe felt like it it wasn't too tough and other guys saying they had to go out and buy home gyms and scramble to find exercise equipment or places to to work out. What was it like for you? Uh, It wasn't too bad at at first for me i i have a my parents place in Camor. we have a a pretty good gym set up in the basement and uh me and my brother noah would uh would work out together um at the start of when things first started it was kind of a lot of questioning like okay i'll stay in shape because i could be part of um the return to play action with the flames there um so I guess it's just been a lot of unknown, unknown, you know, when things are going to start up, obviously. But um, for me, as of late, 
it hasn't been tough at all. We've started uh, working out at the Saddle Dome with uh, with the Flames group there, so that's been really good, and and workouts have been great since. You know, you were a really good U of A Golden Bear for three years, especially your last couple of seasons. You were well over a point a game, almost two points a game in eighteen nineteen. Pretty solid production. Just looking at your stats here uh, from from Stockton in nineteen twenty, Luke, you had thirty one points, nineteen goals, and fifty two games. How did you find the transition from Canada West to pro hockey? Uh, it was it was definitely a challenge at first. Um, the speed's definitely faster, strength, you know, just the overall play it's a level up right so it took uh, a bit of time for myself i i didn't have the smoothest of transitions um right off the bat i kind of struggled i um i wasn't playing a whole lot um went i think the first 11 games without getting on the score sheet got healthy scratched a couple times and then uh there was one game i remember things just started to click and um you know i just started to feel like I was playing much better. The speed wasn't, it just took that little time to adjust. And then, you know, I started getting more opportunity and, and made the most of it there. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, if you wound up with 19 goals, so you would have got well over 20 if you would have been able to, to finish the season. What about, first of all, just life outside of Canada and outside of uh, Alberta? I mean, you were lucky enough to play fairly close to home you, you you know you're from canmore you played in kootenai so they were in cranbrook and then red deer and then the u of a so i mean you're always uh, you're always kind of relatively close to family was it uh, was it different moving that far away or what was the personal side of it like yeah you know living in the states was a lot different for sure i um i'd never done that so i'd always kind of been small town playing in kootenai there cranbrook played a bit of time in red deer and then growing up in Canmore, so pretty used to the small town lifestyle. Uh, living in Stockton was great, though. Um, one thing I didn't know about the American League is you play a lot of divisional games. I didn't know um, we played, you know, the Bakersfield, San Diego, Ontario, and uh, one more I can't remember who San Jose. We play them 12 times each, so it's a lot of divisional games. You spend a lot of time. Uh, you stay in California, so. I mean, you can't complain much about California living. We were able to, you know, enjoy the sun and stuff and you know, get on the golf course on days off. But it was definitely a change of scene for, for myself from being up in Edmonton in years prior as well. Yeah, you never had to look for snow in the forecast, I assume. <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> well, it's, so, so you're... So Oh, okay. All right. Uh, did you? Yeah. Did you? Besides the weather, did did you like the the city? I mean, obviously it's a bit of a, a smaller city, but what was the vibe like in Stockton? Uh, so we spend, or most of the guys on the team, kind of live in the outskirts around it. There's um, Lodi just north of Stockton, and then um, some guys live in Discovery Bay. That's um, I think it's south southeast of Stockton as well. So. Um, not too much time in the city itself when um, when you're not playing games and stuff, but um, I enjoyed it a lot. You have some pretty cool cities right around you, close to the Bay Area. We had um, San Fran, an hour and a half drive, and then Sacramento's 45 minutes north. So there's some cool spots around for sure. And um, yeah, it was definitely different living in you know the California lifestyle. I'm something I wasn't used to. 
<laughs> Luke Phillips joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Spent the last season with the Stockton Heat. Three years before that with the U of A Golden Bears. Uh, went to two national finals and helped them win one. Looking back on your on your U of A career, is there... I mean, you, you guys won a lot. And as I mentioned, you won nationals. And, and maybe uh, you would have won two if you hadn't suffered an injury in, in the championship game in your final year. But what do you kind of really take away from that experience of being a Golden Bear? Um, I think the main thing is just friendships, right? And you know, the people you meet. Um, I've got lots of friends still up in Edmonton who, you know, I, I've been up there a few times since this since all of this has gone down and um you know i like i keep tabs on the team i've kept tabs on the team the last or last year obviously um uh, with my brother being on it and then you know all the all the buddies you meet along the way but i think that's the main thing is just um the friendships you have they'll last a lifetime and um you know you get you get really close with those guys um being with them every day at the rink and then in the classroom as well so it's it's a pretty cool experience well, they're not playing this year, and I know you've been you've been following that. As someone who who lived and you know, breathed Golden Bears hockey for for three years, uh, I mean, how much does it hurt to see the season wiped out here? Yeah, you know, it really sucks. I I feel for those guys a lot. Um, I mean, with everything going on, nobody's really certain about when things are going to start up and if they're going to start up, but. Yeah, definitely feel for those guys. They're all I know they're all pretty bummed out. They all they all wanted to play pretty badly. They especially coming off um a disappointing playoff loss for them last year. I think they've have a really strong team there right now and uh we're looking to redeem themselves. So it sucks to hear, especially you know, I especially feel for the the older guys, uh, the fifth year guys and stuff like that. I'm not too sure how eligibility works or what, if any decisions have been made on that yet, but um, it sucks. Sucks to hear. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what have you found yourself doing? I mean, everything's thrown off. And I mentioned no U sports. There's no CFL. I don't know if you have a team there. There is NFL. NBA played in a bubble. We do have the World Series. The golf majors have been pushed back. We still have the Masters coming up. Uh, when it comes to your sports fandom or your TV viewing, what do you find yourself following here? Uh, well, I was I watched all the NHL playoffs. Um, can't say I watched much of the basketball. Um, and then I'm a big golf guy as well. Uh, they were kind of, I think they were the first ones to get back going, but... Uh, you just reminded me about the Masters. I actually forgot, so that's pretty exciting. I love watching that tournament, so I'll definitely be tuning into that. And, uh, yeah, just mainly a hockey golf guy when it comes to watching sports on TV. Well, I love watching golf as well, especially the majors. So we're aligned there, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Masters and what Augusta is going to look like in November as opposed to April. So let me ask you this, Bryson DeChambeau. Good for the game, bad for the game. Like him, can't stand him. What could you tell me? <laughs> you know what? I I didn't really like him at first. I'll be honest. Uh, a few years back, I don't know whatever reason he bugged me, but I love it. I think it's it's cool what he's doing. He's he's doing something different. Just swinging out of his boots. It looks like he's gonna fall over sometimes when he when he hits his driver, but he hits it a long way. And I think he's fun to watch. So I think it's pretty cool to watch for sure. 
Uh, what's the, um, do you have a favorite golf course or maybe a most famous golf course you got to play? I mean, obviously several choices, well, in Alberta, where you're from, but also you got to spend some time in California. So I'm wondering if something really stands out to you, one that you played. Uh, you know what? We didn't play anything. I mean, any famous tracks that, uh, people might recognize there was some local courses in Stockton that we play all the time that were really nice courses. So, um, yeah, those were good ones. And then in Alberta, I've been a member at the Canmore golf and curling club for a while. So that course is one that I always love playing. It's, it's right in home. It's, it's a really nice course. So that would probably be the main one for me. You know, I just Googled how far Stockton is from Pebble Beach. It's still a bit of a hike. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's more than a day trip. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a friend who's played at that one yet, but uh, maybe I'll get out in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Luke, it's good to catch up with you. Obviously, you were on several times while you were Golden Bear, and it was good to talk to you then, and I'm glad you're still willing to join us here at 630 Chet in Edmonton. And whenever it gets going again with Stockton, we wish you all the best, and hopefully we can connect again down the road. Really appreciate the update, Luke, and all the best. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again for having me on. It's good to talk to Luke Philp, who's going to turn 25 here in about three weeks and continue his pro career with Stockton whenever the AHL can get going. Three years with the U of A Golden Bears. And and yeah, I mentioned his his points per game. He had 18 points in 26 games as a rookie. These are Canada West Conference stats. 40 points in 28 games his second year. And then 45 points in 24 games in 18-19. The Bears won the national title in 2018, and in 2019, uh, Luke Philp was was banged up in the championship game, and they lost 4-2 to UNB. Really good to talk to him. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Your comments are welcome, 780-496-0063 to either call or text. We're back after the break. Dodgers batting, no score. Game one of the World Series. We will keep you updated. San Diego Padres play-by-play voice Jesse Agler coming up after the 7.30 news. That's going to be awesome to talk to him. Oilers head coach Dave Tippett on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. We gave you some cuts on Turris, on special teams, on the goaltending duo. Here's Tip on Oscar Clefbaum's injury and the addition of Tyson Berry. It's funny. We knew that uh, as the season was going on, he was struggling uh, with his injury a little bit, and we laughed at he was he had it set up where he's going to go see some doctors at the end of that trip. So uh, Jim uh, Jim Playfer and I went to him. Well, we're going to maximize what we got for a few days here. And so we played the heck out of him there, and he was laughing. And then he went to see the doctor, but his shoulder has uh, deteriorated a little bit. He's going to continue to get it looked at here. I don't know exactly the plan for him, but uh, as we get closer to the season starting, we'll. We'll uh, probably finalize some kind of plan for him. But that being said, if he's not here, he did a really good job on our power play and just kind of quarterbacking it. We thought um, 
Tyson Berry would be a great fit. Um, there's a couple things with Tyson. One, I think he's a, I mean, he's got kind of cast into that power play offensive guy. I think he's a good two-way player. I think, uh, you know, one of our things with five-on-five five is we didn't play with the puck enough, so you end up defending too much. With Tyson, the way he moves the puck and the way he can carry the puck up the ice, he... Uh, he might not be the best defender in the league, but he doesn't defend as a lot of other guys do because he moves the puck well and move out of her own end. So he's a guy that, A, with cleft bomb, question mark, he'll come in, uh, give our power play a little different look with a right-hander instead of a left-hander, but yet uh, is very adept at running a power play, and he's excited about that part of it. But he's also excited about trying to make our team a better team. And, uh, and a better five-on-five team. So I just think he's a great fit for us. Uh, he's a right-hander that, uh, you know, we, we need a, another right shot going in uh, on that right side. And we've talked about the pairs, who's going to be with who, and, uh, you know, that'll sort itself out as we, as we get into camp. But he's excited to be here. He's uh, a player with lots to prove right now. And both him and Tourist both are... And the conversations I've had with them, they're, they're excited to be in Edmonton. They have a lot to prove, very motivated players. So those are the kind of players, you, as a coach, you like coming into your lineup. So that's what they're hoping for from Tyson Berry. He goes back, gets the puck, and skates it up ice or passes it up ice. So you don't have to spend a lot of time defending. And Tippett mentioned it there. He thought that that was one of their big problems, five-on-five five last year, was that they didn't have the puck enough, and then you have to defend more than you would like. I think Barry can do that. I, I would agree with Tip. Uh, I mean, he's not the best defensive player in the league, but he will have an element that the Oilers haven't had on the back end. And I, I know there have been some decent offensive players on the blue line over the years. Nobody with the pedigree of Barry, and I think he's got the potential to join the rush much better than any other Oilers defenseman has done it recently whenever the games do get going. So still question marks, of course, about him and the team, but I, I, I think Barry brings some interesting elements that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, the Dodgers get on the board. 2-0, bottom of the fourth. Jesse Agler, play-by-play voice of the San Diego Padres. He was calling a Padres game off of monitor while another game was being played behind him in San Diego's ballpark during this postseason. He'll tell that story. Bellinger with a two-run homer for the Dodgers in the bottom of the fourth. They are still batting. Runner on second with one out, a 2-0 lead on Tampa Bay. Game one of the best of seven World Series. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Double E Radio, 6.30 Chad. Of course, the Double E Coaches Show every Monday at 7.30 with Scott Milanovic and Morley Scott. Uh, Interesting to hear Scott Milanovic talk about his defense and some members of his coaching staff last night and uh, they will be back Monday on uh, 730 as part of Inside Sports. Well, a lot of crazy things obviously happening in the, in the world and sports have, have been uh, massively affected and to talk about that and to tell us a little bit about his career path, I'm pleased to welcome to the show play-by-play voice for the San Diego Padres, Jesse Agler. Jesse, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, man? Good, Reed. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, thanks for for checking in. Hope you, you you didn't have to do a double take when you saw your inbox and you got a request from six thirty Chet in Edmonton. But we've had a few play by play guys from MLB, NBA, and uh, NFL on the past few months. So we saw your tweet, and I'll kind of just give you the floor here now uh, of that video of you calling a game and a different game going on behind you. Can you just tell us a little bit about that that moment and the the surrealness of it? Well, absolutely. First of all, I, 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 my understanding is I'm very big in Red Deer, so I, I appreciate you guys having me on. But, yeah, so uh, during the playoffs a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, obviously in 2020 the world is upside down and everything like that. So uh, I'm broadcasting the, the Padre game, which was taking place against the Dodgers in Arlington, Texas, uh, from our booth at Petco Park because that's where we broadcast road games all year in San Diego. We're all connected there. You know, that's, that's the easiest place to do it. So I'm broadcasting the Padre Dodger game, which is taking place in Texas from San Diego at the very same time that the Yankees and the Rays were playing a game in San Diego. So I was able to sort of look out my booth and watch the Yankees and the Rays while attempting to broadcast the Padres and the Dodgers off television monitors uh, in that ballpark. It was very surreal. And I think uh, the tweet said something along the lines of uh, peak 2020. And it certainly was. Yeah, I, I retweeted that video if, if people want to check it out. And, and I love the Red Deer reference, buddy. Like, either you know somebody there or you quickly check the map of Alberta. <laughs> uh, the, the great the great Randy Moeller, uh, an old co-worker oh. uh, of mine with the Florida Panthers. Yeah, Red Deer Randy, yeah. Right on. That, that's good to hear. Was, was it ever, uh, like, did anything ever catch you off guard when you were calling that the games and there was another game going on behind you? Like, you heard something and were you ever wondering, wait, was that in my... Your uh, headpiece, or was that uh, happening behind me? <laughs> luckily, uh, l- you know, I, I was expecting that. Honestly, I was worried about that. I was concerned about that. Uh, but luckily enough, uh, our equipment was uh, very high fidelity, so I never actually, you know, it's very easy, oddly, to forget about the Yankee Tampa game going on, and I was able to sort of, uh, you know, stay focused on the task at hand. Also, with the different times that the games were starting, that game was mostly over by the time we started most nights, but. It was definitely one of the most uh, surreal things I've ever experienced. How did you like calling it off a monitor? Because usually you'd be high above home, like behind home plate, right? As opposed to getting our traditional TV yeah. view. Yeah, it was a challenge. You know, I mean, it's something we did all season. So, you know, the, the Padres and every other major league team, I guess, except the Cardinals played 30 regular season games this year uh, on the road. And, and so for all 30 of those games, we, we did it off television. They set us up about as well as I think we could ever be set up, which was that we had one monitor that had the, the feed that everybody sees at home, you know, the normal television broadcast. And we had another monitor that showed us a couple of different angles, including one that sort of kind of mostly simulated what we would normally see, you know, from a booth perspective, kind of a high home look, it's called. Uh, so basically imagine a camera in the first row of the upper deck behind home plate. So we were able to see a defensive shift. We were able to see, you know, where the outfielders were, that kind of thing. Um, if there were multiple guys on base, we were able to keep track of them that way. So, you know, we were very concerned about it going in. Um, it went about as well as it could. I, I hope personally that it's not something, you know, that, that becomes permanent moving forward. But, you know, look, in, in 2020, everybody's trying to get used to a new normal. Everybody's uh, doing Zooms and working remotely, you know, everything we have to do to get through our, our jobs, whatever those may be. So this kind of falls into that category. I had a listener named Michael call in earlier, and he suggested a question. So I got to I got to do it. When you are watching baseball, and I assume he meant not working, not working a game, do you prefer to watch on TV or watch in person if you had a choice? 
Um, I, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan. I have been since I was a little kid. I, I love going to games. I love watching games on TV. I, I mean, look, as a professional, and this is maybe a boring answer, Michael, I apologize, but as a professional, you know, when I, when I watch a game on TV now, I sort of am more locked into the announcers and what they're doing and what they're saying and maybe what they're not saying you know, than I am on, on anything else. Like, that's kind of the way my brain is now working because I'm trying to pick up little things that I like or maybe I don't like, and I say, oh, I want to do that or I don't want to do this, you know, when it comes to, to my own game call. But I, I think it's so important to go to games in person, and I have sort of a rule for myself. During normal seasons, you know, when we're traveling with the team and it's 162 games, um, you know, if we're in a city, and it usually happens once or twice a year, if we're in a city and we have a day off, but the host team is playing a game, so, for instance, last year we were in Pittsburgh. Uh, we had an off day in Pittsburgh, and the Pirates were hosting. Who were they hosting? It doesn't matter, I guess. They're, they're hosting a team, White Sox, I think. And I said, I'm going to go to the game that day. I'm going to get a beer. I'm going to get a hot dog or some nachos, something like that, and just sort of have that normal fan experience to remind myself that this is a leisure activity. You know, it's not just work. Um, because for us, obviously, it becomes work. Um, but to remind myself that, hey, this is what a fan is experiencing when they're at the game. This is how fans are are involved and sort of committed to this sport um, and any other sport. So um, I, I think that's a really important thing to do. So I love doing that once or twice a year when the schedule allows. Um, but look, I mean, I think like most people who end up working in this business, and Reed, I'm sure you're the same, I'm a huge sports fan. I mean, you can put me in front of a TV or a radio or in a seat at any game, whether it's NHL, NBA, NFL, CFL, whatever, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. I, I love sports. I love watching sports. I love attending sports. I love listening to sports. And uh, that's, that's why I've committed my life to broadcasting sports. See, you're hitting all the right notes. You're a good storyteller. You've dropped Red Deer in there, and now you drop the Canadian Football League reference in there. Like, you're hitting for I the another, cycle here, I buddy. another great connection. So, you know, I've worked with so many wonderful people over the years. So I said, Randy Moeller is one of my favorite humans on earth. He's from Red Deer. I, I will admit I never heard of Red Deer before I met Randy. And then when I, I worked for the Miami Dolphins, I got the opportunity to broadcast alongside John Jemmy, who won a couple of great cups in, in Toronto with the Argos. So my, my love and appreciation for the CFL stemmed from my personal relationship with him. So um, that, that's the cool thing about these jobs. You get to know so many different people from so many uh, different walks of life who have had so many different experiences, and you, you really learn to appreciate everything that they bring to the sports table. Oh, that is awesome. Jesse, I, I mentioned when we were introing you, I mean, D Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, we've we've thrown a few fish hooks out there and had some nibbles with with play-by-play -play guys, and and uh, I, I just find that that path so interesting, and, and it's such a... You know, it's the job that becomes so linked to so many moments in a team's history, whether they're ups or downs. And it's, it's you know, to get to one of the, I guess, 122 jobs that there are at the highest level in this in this continent is pretty cool. So before Padres, even before Florida Panthers, where did it, where did it start for you? Were you a little kid calling games off the TV when you were eight? Or did this come a little later in life? What was that journey? No. Yeah, no, I mean, that was exactly it. I might have been younger than eight, honestly. That's, that's usually the age, I say, when I'm telling the story. But when I really sit down and think about it, I might have been six. Um, you know, I mean, ever since I, I remember watching, it started with baseball, um, you know, on, on television. I was so fascinated by the announcers. And I loved playing when I was growing up. I played every sport. You know, I grew up in South Florida, um, so I, I even played roller hockey. I played football on the street. I played basketball with my friends in the driveway. Uh, we played baseball every chance we got. Uh, you know, everything that was available to me, I played, but baseball was sort of always the first love. And, um, yeah, I mean, as, as far back, literally, as I can remember, I was fascinated by the announcers. 
um, and, and it's something that I wanted to do. So through high school, I had internships, and I called games on a, on a pirate high school radio station. I went to a University of Miami uh, because I knew they had a robust sports program at the student radio station, um, and I immediately graduated, and two days later drove to Kansas to broadcast summer league baseball that year. I came back, and I you know, worked the connections that I had made while I was in college to start working at a radio station in Miami. That led to the Panther opportunity, which led to an opportunity with the Marlins, which eventually led to an opportunity with the Dolphins, which in a weird way eventually led to an opportunity with the Padres, uh, where I just completed my seventh season. So um, as I said, this is all I've ever wanted to do. And um, I I feel so fortunate and and lucky because luck is such a huge part of it uh, that that I've been able to make it to where I've made it so far. Uh, well, you dropped in there that you were on a pirate high school radio station, so you were kind of like Christian Slater and pump up the volume. <laughs> He's much better looking. But, yeah, like, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was one of those situations where uh, I had one friend who was very technically inclined in high school, and they used to have a radio station. They no longer did. And we said, hey, let's broadcast some games. And he was able to rig something together that, you know, we could broadcast the high school football games on our senior year where um, as long as you were in the stadium or the parking lot of our high school, you could hear it. Beyond that, you couldn't. So we we felt pretty good about not getting caught, um, you know, in in terms of pirating the signal from the local university. But, um, yeah, it was just sort of anything to get a microphone in my hand. And uh, here we are. Uh, what's the well? Tell tell me about your experience with hockey. Obviously, you're you're talking in a in a hockey mad market here. So tell us about doing Panther stuff and maybe anything else you you did ice related along the way. Well, that that was mostly it. I mean, I I kind of fell in love with hockey in the early '90s. Um, you know, when I was 10, 11 years old. Again, growing up in South Florida, the, the Panthers' first season was '93. Um, so I got into that. Obviously, they made the run to the Cup where they lost to the Avalanche a couple of years later. But that was really one of those times where, even though they lost in the final, they captivated the imagination of a lot of people, particularly at my age, I guess. Kind of impressionable adolescents, you know, sports fanatics. Um, the, the way they ran through that playoff, I can still rattle off names of guys on that Panther team. I can tell you about Brian Scrudland being the, pan, uh, the captain. I can tell you about Ray Shepard being a 30-goal scorer for all those different teams that he was. John Van Beesbrook and Nett, like those guys at Jovanovski, they were they were so critical to us um, as fans. And you know, I liked that team so much. Those early '90s Penguin teams. Um, I'm sorry to be leaving out Canada here, but they captured my imagination um, with uh, Lemieux and Yager and Ron Francis. And again, I could go on and on. The Samuelsons, um, and, and so it was kind of fun in those early '90s Rangers team too, and sort of seeing the Rangers win it all for the first time uh, in forever in '94. My dad had grown up a Ranger fan in New York, and um, you know, I, I think he wasn't even born the previous time they had won a cup. So I got into that. I remember when the Red Wings and the Avalanche had their great rivalry. I was kind of obsessed with it. So um, I, I never intended to work in hockey. I still don't think I would be anything of a hockey play-by-play guy. It's just too – my brain doesn't work that way. I'm so in awe of the guys who can do hockey play-by-play. Um, I work with one in San Diego, uh, Don Orsillo, who's with the Red Sox forever. He was an AHL announcer, I think, for like 10 years. Um, you know, before he, he got at the Red Sox job, which eventually led him to San Diego. Uh, but when I first started working professionally, I had the opportunity to uh, basically fall into being the pre- and post-game host for the Panthers coming out of the lockout. I guess it was 05, 06. And Great, uh, yeah. it was pretty good. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were a pretty good team. And um, uh, Steve Goldstein, who's now the television voice of the Panthers, is just a brilliant announcer. 
um, was entering his first year as the radio play-by-play guy at the time. He had been doing pre and post um, for the Panthers for a lot of years before that. I, I impressed him, I guess, kind of accidentally. He saw that I took my work very, very seriously, um, and he basically presented me with this opportunity to take over for him doing the pre- and post-game and the intermission reports for the Panther broadcast. I did that for a couple of seasons. Um, I tweeted about it yesterday with Mike Emmerich's retirement. I, I got the opportunity to, to interview Doc, one of my very first games, um, and, and just sort of how meaningful that was to me. I love the sport. I really, really do. Like I said, I, I don't think I have the chops to be a hockey play-by-play guy, um, but I love it so much. Uh, the, the Padres, who I work for now, we do spring training in the Phoenix area. So every February and March when I'm there, I go to at least three or four Coyote games um, just to be able to sort of, uh, you know, get into the arena and, and watch um, the action because it's it's a wonderful, wonderful sport. And um, I like I said, I would love to be able to work in hockey, but I just I have the, the self-awareness, I guess, to know that I, I don't think my brain is fast enough uh, to be able to do hockey play by play. It's a remarkable thing those guys can do. Jesse, we're getting some texts here. People are enjoying listening to you. And Dirk uh, down in Cochrane, Alberta, closer to Calgary, um, bringing up the rats. So you were there when the rats were thrown on the ice then for the Panthers, or you were you yes. were watching as a, as a teen probably? Uh, I, let's see, it was 96. So yeah, it was 14. Um, <laughs> and uh, that captivated our imagination big time. It was fun. You know, I mean, it was like, you know, I think Scott Mellenby started that, if I recall, to throw another name out there. Uh, the, the whole story was that there was a rat in the, in the dressing room one day, a live rat. He took his stick and he did what you do with a rat where it's not supposed to be, I guess. <laughs> and uh, that turned into the whole thing down there. And I understand certainly how that upset sort of the, the hockey universe and it was delaying games. And there's that famous image of Patrick Waugh sort of back skating into his net during the finals so that he wasn't pelted with rubber rats coming down from old Miami arena. But, um, you know, I think for that market in that time, for a franchise that was newly born, it was exactly what was needed in order to capture our imaginations, as I said. And um, I, I still have, I, I, I really, it's one of my fondest memories as a fan, you know, that run that they had through the playoffs that year. And it was almost incidental, this sounds so weird, but it was almost incidental that they lost to the to the avalanche at the end of the day because the run that they had through the Eastern Conference was so enjoyable. I remember they held a rally at the arena after the finals, even though they lost. It was just kind of an appreciation rally. And my dad took my friend and I down there. We lived about an hour away, and he took us down there. It was just a way to say thank you to the team, to cheer on the team one more time. And uh, it was it was a very, very special uh, spring. Jesse Agler, San Diego Padres play-by-play voice joining us tonight on Inside Sports. You're incredibly generous with your time, so I'll just keep it to one or two more here because I'm, I'm having a blast listening to you. Padres, you mentioned seven seasons. This was the first time in the postseason. You know, they, they had some years where down near a 400 winning percentage. Uh, but do you have a, and I hate to put you on the spot, do you have a most memorable call or, or a, a favorite game that you got to call with the Padres? Yeah, it, it, it's from this year. And, and thankfully, like you said, in the playoffs and playing meaningful baseball late in the season. Um, when I was asked this question prior to this season, I always said, uh, it was when Matt Kemp hit for the first cycle in Padre history, uh, which was at Coors Field in, I think, I want to say 2015. I happened to be on the TV call that night. And it was really the first time in my career that I got the opportunity to call something historic. The Padres had never had a cycle before. It was one of those weird anomalies, you know, in sports. It was like, how have they never had a cycle? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but it was kind of neat, kind of fun, kind of exciting. But, you know, this year um, they, they did a lot of special stuff. But I think the, the second game of their playoff series against St. Louis this year, 
They came back. It was one of the most remarkable games of any sport I've ever watched in my life. I think the final score was 11-9, 11-7, something like that. But, you know, they kind of had their backs against the wall in the postseason. They came from behind dramatically with big home runs. Um, I had the opportunity to call a couple of those home runs. Probably one of the ones from Will Myers, and he hit two in the game. Uh, that I think it put them ahead in the sixth inning or the seventh inning uh, was, was the one where I thought, oh, my goodness, like that's, that's the most special thing I've ever had the chance to be behind the microphone for. Um, the, the cool thing about working for the Padres right now is that it, it seems like there are going to be a lot more moments like that for a lot of years. They are as young and as exciting and as fun as exists, I think, in MLB right now, and they're only going to get better and better. And, you know, I, I think about myself as that 13-, 14-year-old kid watching the Panthers, you know, make that run through. And, and there's going to be kids, you know, here in San Diego who have never seen a good Padre team before who are going to be able to have that experience. And, and that will make them fans for life, and that's, that's such a fun thing. That's really what it's all about. Man, Jesse, this flew by. I, I hope we can we can talk again. Either just maybe we can find a time to talk baseball, or or, or just catch up, and and you can keep on telling stories because I absolutely love having you on the show. I, I think I should be congratulating you, by the way, on a new addition to the family. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, one week ago, yesterday. So we have an eight day old. Uh, I, I know I was supposed to join you last week. Sorry, we had to postpone that. Uh, but you know, childbirth called. So uh, yes, our second, uh, a daughter, uh, Ellie, and she's doing beautifully. So thank you very much. Right on. And enjoy the enjoy the game tonight. I probably pulled you away from paying more attention to the World Series. But thanks for coming on 630 Shed in Edmonton. And Red Deer, of course, says hi back, Jesse. Shout out to Red Deer forever. And thank you, Reed. My pleasure. Oh, that was awesome. Jesse Agler checking in tonight on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the San Diego Padres. And as he was telling you, used to do pre- and post-game for the Florida Panthers and grew up in South Florida cheering for the Panthers when they were new in the National Hockey League. That was a lot of fun. Really appreciate him checking in. Now 2-1 for the Dodgers. It is in the bottom of the fifth. We're back in a couple of minutes on Inside Sports. Well, okay, that was Jesse Agler, play-by-play voice for the San Diego Padres, and he was awesome to talk to. You also heard from Luke Philp tonight, Joaquin Gage, some comments from Dave Tippett as well. His whole interview with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now is on 630Ched.com, or you can get the podcast for Oilers Now. Same place you get the podcast of this show. Tomorrow we are scheduled to be joined by Pierre McGuire from the NHL on NBC and special teams coordinator for the Edmonton football team, A.J. Gass. Big thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator tonight. Bottom of the fifth, Dodgers are in front 2-1 in game one of the World Series. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.